As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And joining us today, a very special guest, the Director of Broadcasting for the Charlotte Checkers, TJ Shalott. TJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey guys, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So the big thing right now uh, that we really want to talk about with uh, with the Checkers, of course, is uh, is all the call-ups last week. The the very unfortunate situation with the, with the Panthers having a bunch of players going to COVID protocol. But uh, I guess the upside of that... Uh, if you want to call it that, was a, a few guys got to come up and see uh, see some NHL action. Of course, former guest of the show Cole Schwint got his first NHL game, uh, and we loved uh, we loved to see that. But uh, we wanted to ask you, TJ, uh, what was uh, what was the air uh, in the room like in Charlotte when all that was going down? Well, obviously, the first and foremost, we were all pumped for him. You know, Kirstead and Heponiemi and Denisenko and Schwint getting the opportunity to go up there and you know make their NHL debut in some cases. In the case of Matt Kirstead, just his third game, getting his first NHL goal in that game. You know, the first emotion I think we all had was we were excited. We were happy for the guys. They worked so hard, you know, all season long. And that's the dream, right? So whenever you get the opportunity to see someone that you know, that you get to see night in and night out and put that work in every single day, finally get up to the show and, and see that hard work pay off. The first thing was we were happy, you know, and we were pumped for him. But the second thing was oh man, we've got two games this weekend against Bridgeport on Saturday and Sunday. We just finished up two games against Rochester on Tuesday, Wednesday, and here it is Thursday morning. And we just lost four guys to the NHL who are going to play tonight against the Kings in that game for Florida. And we're like, oh boy, are we going to get these guys back in time? Are we going to have to make you know mass call-ups from Greenville? Are we going to have to sign a million PTOs just to, to field a team so we can play this weekend? And that was the, the secondary emotion. And ultimately, uh, you know, that didn't really matter because we did get the guys back in time. They were up there for a, a quick little stint, a, a cup of coffee, as they like to say in the business, uh, got some work done and, and got some skating in. But then the third emotion was, okay, well, we got these guys back. They're going to play on Saturday and Sunday. But now all of a sudden you're talking about some of these guys having played in five games in six days and throw in a travel <laughs> there on a plane yeah. and we're sitting there going, oh man, what are we going to look like? And surprisingly, we had a great weekend. You know, there were some PTO guys and some call-up guys from Greenville that came in, Max Zimmer and Liam Pecoraro, who who contributed as well. And um, it was actually, it was a really good week for them. And I think coming right before the Christmas break, where now everybody can just kind of shut down and, and get everything recharged and ready to go for uh, the games coming up on the 31st and 1st against Texas. It was a perfect timing. If you're going to get hit with something like that and you're going to lose a whole bunch of players all in one shot, just like that, you, you kind of want it to be right before a long break. And, and that's what we got. EJ, I just kind of want to jump in on something here, just because, you know, while we have a lot of Panthers fans who listen to us, who obviously follow the checkers, they're not entirely sure how they can follow along with the checkers. What's the best way for those fans who want to watch Checkers games to uh, tune in? The best way to tune in if you want to watch the games is on AHL TV. Um, there are certain packages out there where if you just want to catch one game, uh, they have single day passes for $7.99. And then, of course, there's monthly passes and there's also year long passes. So um, if it's something, you, you know, folks want to tune into and watch, you can get it on your Roku device and stream it right on your TV in your living room. That's the the best way to get the full picture. And that's row, home and road and um, be able to tune into those games, especially on nights when the Panthers aren't playing. Tune in and see how the guys are doing, especially with 
so much you know vested interest in the checkers now with spencer knight coming down and some of these guys that panthers fans know a lot about and are really keen on their development ahl tv is easily the best way to go about it but i understand you know if you don't want to spend the money and you don't want to go out and and do that whole ahl tv sign up thing you can always catch us on the charlotte checkers app we have uh, an app up there on the app store and the google play store just search charlotte checkers and uh, download that app and you can listen to the audio of every single game for free right there on your phone or your tablet or however you'd like to listen. Excellent. And then you kind of just talked into what something we want to talk about. You know, Spencer Knight is now a Charlotte checker. I'm assuming you guys are really excited to have him. I mean, I know there was a lot of fanfare when he got signed last year and the expectation that he was originally was he would play, you know, a game for the Panthers last year and then spend the next season developing in the AHL. This was obviously before, the checkers uh, relationship began or actually no they, they the relationship with the checkers had begun they just the checkers didn't play last year i think i have that correct mm-hmm, they didn't so, play so now you know it, it obviously hasn't gone as hoped for spencer in the nhl but now it was kind of back to that original plan of hey spencer's going to spend some time in the ahl developing and uh, what's the uh, atmosphere like down in or up in charlotte compared to us now that uh, Spencer Knight's with you guys. We were pumped to get him. You know, we've uh, we've seen now six different goaltenders slot in between the pipes for us all year long for, for both of our affiliations. And they've been all very, very solid. And we knew in getting Spencer Knight, he's going to be another one that's going to slot into that rotation and be someone who can win games for us, game in and game out. And I, you know, I think it was proven right away that the very first night or the very first game that was available for him to play was that Saturday game against Bridgeport. And sure enough, he gets the start that night. He hadn't been in Charlotte, I, I would say maybe 48, 72 hours max. And he gets the nod and gets the start there that night. And, um, you know, it's a great position for him to be in here in Charlotte for, for two reasons. Number one, this team is filled with veterans. You know, when you talk about guys like Zach Dalpy and you talk about guys like Max McCormick, who I know is a Seattle Kraken signed player and currently up there in the NHL. But when you talk about some of these guys that have been around who have gone up and gone down and dealt with the roller coaster of professional hockey, it's a perfect system to learn under and to just kind of deal with the emotions and the psychology of being a young player, so highly touted, so highly drafted. When you talk about some of the other high draft picks, you know, there's plenty of guys for Spencer Knight, whether they be goalies or not, to relate to on this team so that he can really firm up his game and become a strong mental player because that's only going to translate to more success, whether it be on the AHL level or up in the NHL. So uh, it's a perfect situation for him to grow and to blossom. And of course, that just excites everyone down here because currently, we are still the defending and reigning Calder Cup champions because, of That's course, the season was ended the year after we won the Calder Cup, and then they didn't hand it out last year because not everybody competed. There was no postseason in 20, uh, 2021, so we're looking for that again, and, and we know Spencer Knight can be a very big piece to that as he learns to grow. It's, it's hard to forget, you know, when you see these kids up there at the NHL level, Spencer Knight has uh, 16 games, 17 games played, something like that. The NHL, you forget that he's only 20 years old. He can't even legally buy a beer until April this coming year. And I think we forget about that, where we were mentally at 20 years old. And when you throw all the pressure of being such a highly touted draft pick and, you know, playing NHL games already and having such, you know, a huge future in front of him, it's great that he's down in Charlotte where he can work on his game with such veteran leadership and a great coaching staff that's been around it all so that he can really develop mentally and that physiological side of things so that way it's just gonna turn into a a more solid goaltender that's ready for a long nhl career yeah and in the ahl sometimes a goalie will have a bad night or it'll just be a bad night on the scoreboard but it's more to be expected it's more so you know standard fair like last week the checkers won a game 11 to 1 And if that happened in the NHL, there would still be articles and videos and tweets coming out about it. And there probably would be until the end of the season. Like everybody would be talking about it constantly. And it's just another day in the AHL when you have a a 10 goal victory, which uh, I did actually want to ask about because that's not something you see every day. What is it like being in the press box for a 10 goal home victory? It was incredible for me because I I almost couldn't catch my breath a lot with how 
frequently the goals were coming in, particularly in that second period. We were one off our own team record for most goals in a period. That record is eight. We had seven goals in the second period of that game against Rochester. And I almost... You know, as a broadcaster, we always pride ourselves on our goal calls, right? When when things happen, we yeah. want right on top of it. We want to make sure we call the right guy getting the goal, uh, you know, not behind on the play, not talking about something else when when the goal goes in. And we're all guilty of, of tripping on that every now and then. But I had no choice, it felt like, in that game because they were happening <laughs> so fast. I was almost thrown on my hand just like another one. Like, that was my goal call. Was It was just becoming so unbelievable and so incredible i'm throwing my hands up going another one they did it again and you know the goal called me became that's number seven there's eight you know and it was just it was incredible it was so electric in that uh in the arena the bojangles coliseum was just absolutely roaring the crowd was into it it was a lot of fun to be a part of that and it was a lot of fun to watch the guys how much fun they were having as well i mean when you put up 10 goals in the first two periods the atmosphere on the bench in the locker room, it's going to be a very lighthearted, a lot of fun. And that's exactly what the guys needed here. You know, they were on, they were in the middle of a long stretch, six games in 10 days was that stretch. When you talk about the weekend before the two weekend or the two weekday games against Rochester. And then most recently against Bridgeport, it was right in the middle when they scored those 11 goals and it was just what they needed to kind of keep getting through this push. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was nothing I I've never been a part of anything like that um of course you get your overtime winners and things like that pretty commonly in your career you call enough hockey games you're going to come across that but not everyone can say that they were on the broadcast for a game in which the team broke their individual franchise record for most goals in a game uh it was pretty incredible and i remember uh, I didn't know what the answer to that was in terms of how many goals was the record and 10 was the former record and i remember tech Paul Branicky, who is our director of PR in the middle of the game, we're in a commercial break. And I'm like, hey, we got to start thinking about maybe breaking a record. What's that number? And he even said to me, he's like, I'm not sure. Stay tuned. And then he texts me back a couple of minutes. He's like, our number is 10. So heads up for that. And then ultimately we got that 11th goal. Scott Wilson scoring that uh, later in the third period. It was our only goal of that period, but it was just enough to take us over the top. So walk us through just your emotions of being able to call that 11th goal. Like what, what as a broadcaster up in the booth, I'd love to hear like what was going through your head when you were trying to really like make that a special call for the break for the record breaking. I wasn't sure it was going to happen to be honest with you. Uh, so the team came out in that third period and they, they were definitely stepping off the gas as you would expect. They're right. That is the sportsman's thing to do. That is total sportsmanship. And Rochester was dealing with a flu bug that was running through the team. So their backup goaltender that night, Michael Hauser, he had the flu probably worse than anybody else on the team. So that's why he backed up that night. He just, just keep him out just keep him back there he'll be absolutely fine so matt robson who is the starting goaltender in that game he was on the ice for the first two periods he did give up 10 of those goals and i remember a lot of people going what does this coach hate robson like why are they keeping him out there for all 10 what's going on and this is a guy robson who's been up and down between the ECHL and the AHL all year long. So, you know, he clearly wasn't having a great night in the first period and a little bit in the beginning of the second period, but he did make some incredible saves. And, you know, after keeping him in there for 10 games or 10 goals, I didn't talk to uh, to anyone in Rochester to, to know this for sure, but my understanding is, or my belief is, you know, that they kind of went to Hauser and said, look, we know you're not feeling good, but the checkers are going to come out. They're going to step off the gas a little bit here. Um, can you just do 20 minutes so we don't leave this poor kid out there for even more? And that's exactly what happened. You know, Hauser went out there, made a couple saves right off the bat, and it was clear to me that the checkers were not going to be trying. You know, they weren't going hard into the zone on their entries. They weren't battling hard for the puck below the offensive goal line. They were just playing very easy because it's the sportsman's thing to do. You're up by nine goals at that point. It was 10 to one. You don't need to play cutthroat. And I wasn't sure it was going to happen. And right as I started thinking in my head, you know what? I don't think they're going to get to 11. I think this is just going to be a 10-1 final. Maybe Rochester adds one 10-2. That'll be it. And as soon as I'm starting to think of that in the back of my head, Scott Wilson scores that tic-tac-toe passing goal. 
and that was it. I almost didn't have time to think of what to say. I mean, I just let it flow. And any broadcaster will tell you that for the big moments, just let it flow. Don't try to pre-script it. Don't think about it too much. But I think it helped me in this case. I didn't I didn't think it was going to even happen at all. And as soon as I think to myself, oh, this isn't going to happen. Sure enough, there it is. It happens. And, and Wilson puts it in the back of the net and, and makes number 11. And it was it was a great feeling all around the building. I don't think the fans in the in the stands knew that that was the record at that moment. Uh, we popped it up on the video board a little couple moments later, and then they they cheered again and, and got right back into the game. But it was it was exciting to be on the call. And in my first year with the checkers, you know, this is my first year in the American Hockey League. And to say that I'm part of history for the team, that, that means something to me. It galvanizes me with the team and with the city and and just everything that's going on with this organization. So I was proud to be a part of that. And I just I hope that I could do the fans who weren't there justice with the call. But honestly, I wasn't expecting it. Just watching the way they're playing coming out in the third, they were taking it easy. They didn't want to beat up on Rochester, especially knowing they were going to play him again in 24 hours. You know, that can create a lot of bad yeah. blood. Um, so they just they stepped off. But sometimes you just get those goals that even when you're not trying, especially against a guy on the other side who likely had the flu and was really not feeling well, it's going to just happen for you. And that's what happened. And uh, in case any Panthers fans like me heard the name Michael Hauser and went, why does that sound familiar? Michael Hauser, former Panthers prospect, signed uh, signed an ELC back in 2012 with the uh, with the Panthers. Never played a game in the NHL for them, but just an interesting little uh, connection to the back to the team there. Yeah, yeah, he's an older guy. Been around for a while. I th- what was he? Uh, 32, I think he was. He's in his early 30s, if my if my memory serves me right, and it's generally wrong. But uh... Uh, yeah, he's he's he would have turned 32, and I I only know this because I just looked this up. Um, he would have turned 32 uh, just a couple of months ago, I think. Yeah. So, you know, he's a little bit older guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a journeyman. I mean, he's uh, he's been around. So you don't get to 11 goals without some guys having big nights. Uh, let's talk about Chase Prisky and Grigory Denisenko because they both had four points in that 11 goal game. Those guys have been, you know, up and down, I guess, Prisky more, more so consistent, but Denisenko had a slow start to the season. When you saw that they were called up, do you think to yourself, you know, beyond the I'm happy for those guys, like these are the right guys for the Panthers to call up? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people I think were wondering, well, what about Logan Hutsko? You know, he's the team leader in points right now. And, you know, why wasn't he called up and things like that? I think he's one of those guys that, yeah, he's he's doing a great job down here at the AHL level, but you don't want to necessarily prematurely call him up for – for a stint like this. I think the guys like Chase Prisky, who's played a handful of games in the NHL already, Gregory Denisenko, he's seen the NHL through training camps and things along those lines. I think it was absolutely the right guys to call up because when you're talking about a short bench, which Florida went with that night against the Kings, when you talk about, you know, guys who can step in and play at that level who are ready, if not ready full time, but at least can come in and play one game at the NHL level and actually look like they know what they're doing there. Those were the right guys. And that's not a knock on Logan Hutzko. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like he's not ready, but he's just a younger kid that needs to develop and he needs to get used to the AHL style of play before he's going to be able to get to the NHL. He's probably a guy that will be full-time AHL next year. Um, or if not, maybe mid-season next year. But when you talk about Denisenko and Prisky, I don't know that the 11-goal game really was the reason why they got called up because I think when you look at an 11-goal game, yeah, you're going to come across a couple guys with a handful of points in that game because it seems like everybody was on the score sheet that night. I think all but three skaters actually ended up getting a point in that game. Uh, 15 of the 18 skaters that the checkers sent out there ended up with a point that night. So I don't think the the 11 goal game was the reason they got the call up. It's their play all season long. I mean, Denisenko has been one of the best power play guys that this team has along with Hepo Niemi. Um, and when you talk about Chase Prisky, his offensive upside has been through the roof as of late. And that's why he's the American Hockey League's player of the week this past week, uh, because of the effort that he put in, not only in that 11 goal game, but also our victory over Bridgeport. He had the game winner this past Sunday, our last game going into the Christmas break. So they were absolutely the right players. And when you're talking to the Panthers fans like I am right now, like we are right now, those are the guys that are going to be the next wave of players that are going to be regular NHL players for the Florida Panthers.
And, and I think another thing you got to consider with Logan Hutsko is he does have an extensive injury history. So to call a guy up and to have to play a third game in three nights, that's just a lot to ask for. Um, but just kind of moving on, um, can you just give us some thoughts you've seen on uh, guys like Matt Kierstad? Just, you know, because we've seen him in the NHL and there's been some ups and some downs. You've obviously seen more of them than Panthers fans are. So we just wanted to get your quick thoughts on Kierstad real quick. Well, Kierstad coming out of North Dakota, I mean, he's used to competitive hockey, right? I mean, it doesn't get any more competitive than Division One NCAA and North Dakota, one of those premier blue chip programs. So he's used to it. But I think what he's getting used to is the professional game this year in terms of how it's more a team dynamic than in college, where you can kind of rely on the talents of just a handful of guys who are clearly NHL prospects and everybody else once they're done with college, they're probably going to be done playing, or maybe they go into low levels, SPHL, you know, ECHL, if they sign something. Kierstead, I think, is learning a lot about that and how he doesn't have to burden himself with all of the responsibilities defensively. We know about his, um, you know, he can score. We know about his offensive IQ. He's got two goals down here in the AHL. They're both empty netters, but they were smart plays. You know, it's him stopping the puck or blocking the puck out in front, and he sends it down the uh, length of the ice on a clear that ends up in the back of the net. But he's got great defensive IQ, but I think he's starting to learn that you don't have to do it all yourself. And that is a brilliant piece of assembly done by head coach Jordy Kinnear and Dan Bilesma, the assistant coach, to put him with veterans on that blue line, putting him with guys like Connor Carrick. This is a guy that's been in the NHL for over 100 games. He's a Seattle contracted player, but he's still a Charlotte checker. And he's been teaching, you know, Kierstead that it's a, it's a partnership back here. And that that balance of veteran with rookie has proven so well that they're starting to lean on Kierstead more as that top man on particular D pairings. When you talk about guys like Max Gildon, who is a little bit more raw, a lot more raw, to be honest with you, than Kierstead, they're now putting Kierstead out there with Gildon. And the only reason I know this is because sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between an eight and a six out there on the ice. Um, but when they're the two of <laughs> When they're, you know, put together, you can kind of see that Kirsten is the more mature, the more controlled one. And at the beginning of the season, I don't think that was necessarily the case. He's definitely growing into his body, growing into his skill set and learning that you don't have to shoulder the entire burden defensively. You can, you know, work as a team and that's allowing him to only be better offensively because he trusts the man next to him and he doesn't feel like, you know, it's, it's not this lone gunslinger attitude out there on defense. Like I got to do it or nobody else will, because when you look on the ice, there's four other guys skating out there that are just as good, if not better than you are at their position and it's, it's a teamwork atmosphere. And he's just learning, he's learning that it's not saying that he, th you know, he's, I'm not saying he's selfish. I'm not saying anything along those lines. It's just that when you're playing in college, the top half of the roster, not even the top half, the top fifth of the roster gets all the points and gets all the glory. And everybody else is just kind of there. Whereas here in pro hockey, when you're at these levels, everybody contributes all across the board. It may not be necessarily in points, but it's in something or other, you know, you, you get your shutdown defenseman that you can always truly trust. And there's guys like that on this team that he's learning from and it's making him a better hockey player. Yeah. I mean, that is often the case, but sometimes it's the inverse, what you were talking about because you have only five defensemen. So he's got to, he's got to score and he's got to defend and he's got to play 25 <laughs> minutes like uh, he did against the Kings, but uh, that's probably not going to happen again in the future. So we wanted to wrap up here by talking about what I would contend is the feel-good story this season for the Checkers. And you can disagree with, with me if you want, but we're, we're Cole Schwint homers. So we're going to say that this is his draft plus three year. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but he, he's only 20 years old. You didn't really have huge expectations for him coming into his first uh, real full AHL season because last year was so crazy with the huge roster in Syracuse and not getting a whole lot of opportunity. And he started the season off kind of on the fourth line on, on the bottom six, and he really just played his way up into the top six. And like you said, is uh, tied for the team lead in points. I, I, I think you said that. I don't know. We were talking about I, it before. I said that, yeah. yeah, yeah. We were talking about it before. So 
Cole Schwinn, what do you think has been the secret to his ascent? Honestly, and, the, and this might be a cop-out, but it's just been nose down hard work because you're 100% right. He started on the fourth line to begin the year, you know, with a couple of PTO guys on, on either side of him. And it just, he he was one of those guys that, uh, you know, he, he knew his role. He wasn't getting a lot of minutes, but he made every single second of that time on ice that he got count. And all of a sudden, before long, you know, he kind of earns a mini promotion and he's playing on the PK. And then on that PK, he's scoring, uh, he's got two shorthanded goals for us already this year. And, you know, that earns his way. He gets a bump up in line. Now, you know, Jordy Kinnear and the way he likes to run, he does, you know, he has his, his lines will stay together and it's clear what line is the top line or the the scoring line, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's line number one. Um, but his bottom lines, you can kind of, you can tell like the guys that aren't getting the ice time are the fourth line after that you got to ask him who he thinks his top line is because he does like to change lines mid game. And all of a sudden you're starting to see Cole Schwint who started the game on the fourth line. Well, now all of a sudden he's playing up with, you know, he's up there with Bowlby and Alex true from Seattle. And all of a sudden he's blooming and he's blossoming. And then, you know, Kinnear sits there and he goes, well, I could probably put him with this guy for the next game. And he slowly rises up through the ranks because no matter who he was put out there on a line with, he was being successful because he just kept his eyes open and he just kept his nose down. And it was hard, hard work. He's the only guy on our team to get a hat trick. This season, he had that three goal game. He is tied for the team lead in points. And when you look at his points, it's well balanced. You know, he's not one of these guys that has, you know, 19 points and 17 of them are goals or 17 of them are assists. And, you know, the other two are, are one or the other. It's a very balanced. I think he's at uh, 19 points and it's nine and 10. I think he has nine goals and 10 assists at this point. You guys can. Mm -hmm up and let me know but he's a guy that's well balanced he's just as much of a playmaker as he is a scorer because he just he knows where he should be he makes the right plays he makes those heady decisions but he does not wilt under pressure he's a you know he's out there on the pk he's one of the hardest nosed guys just grinding down on the pk that's why he has those two shorthanded goals and it's just he he is absolutely going to be a great NHL player. He's not the flashiest guy in the world. I don't you know, he he's not going to be someone that NHL Network is constantly talking about. You know, he's not a Barkov. You know, he's not one of these guys, but he's going to be reminiscent of a guy like I grew up as a New Jersey Devils fan. I can see him being a Patrick Eliash type of guy, a guy that's, you know, well had a long career was always scoring. But when you think back to those New Jersey Devils teams, I don't think anybody really ever thinks of Patrick Eliash. They're always thinking of Marty Brodeur and the defenseman and, you know, maybe a couple of the big name forwards, you know, the Jason Arnott's and things like that. But Really, you couldn't have done it without Eliash. And I can mm -hmm. see Colvin being that kind of guy. He's that guy that you, I don't want to say you forget about, but then all of a sudden you look and you go, huh, after six years in the NHL, this guy's been in the top three in scoring on his team every single year, but yet nobody really talks about him. And it's just because he's not flashy. It's because he's smart and he just does what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And we love the hard work and the determination and, if this ascent continues, we're going to see him in the NHL sooner rather than later. I mean, we already did see him in the well, NHL yeah, more you know, regularly. <laughs> on a regular basis. So we're going to wrap up here, TJ. Why don't you promote where everybody can follow you on social media and find all of your uh, work with the checkers? Well, most of my work with the checkers, you can find on AHL TV. When we have those games, we have two coming up against the Texas stars on uh, the 31st and first. So we'll be out there for new year's Eve. So AHL TV to watch the games. You can also tune in on the Charlotte checkers app uh, to listen, but you can catch me on social media at TJ underscore my last name, Shalot. Um, if you head to the Charlotte checkers page, I'm sure you can find me there. And honestly, there's a wealth of information on that Charlotte checkers, Twitter page, or you can find me on uh, Instagram and all that good stuff, but I'm mostly a Twitter guy. So, you know, follow me on Twitter and uh, you'll most likely get pictures of the different arenas that we go to and, and all the good stuff. The checkers organization will bring you a lot of info. You know, this Florida Panthers, when we look at a dual affiliation, we're under the, we realize that Seattle will be gone at the end of the year. We know yeah. the Florida Panthers, that's our primary affiliate. You know what I, I have, 
polos that have Panthers stuff on it, quarter zips that have Panthers stuff on it, backpacks. I don't have anything with Seattle on it. So if you're a Seattle fan, checkers website, checkers app on Twitter, Instagram, that's the place to be. Cause you're going to get a lot of inside scoops, a lot of stories. Uh, we just ran one actually that my intern wrote uh, last week. We just ran one that got picked up by the AHL uh, this past week. And I believe it was on Cole Schwint as a matter of fact. So uh, that was a pretty darn good article uh, that was posted to the AHL website that he wrote. So if, if you're a Panthers fan out there listening, we are your affiliate. We, even though we have a dual affiliation and I know the Kraken are, you know, kind of the, the shiny new toy in the NHL, so to speak, we're all about the Panthers because we know that's the uh, the partnership that's going to be continuing here for the next however many years. And uh, we really try to angle our focus towards the Panthers because it's also one of the best teams in the NHL right now. So why wouldn't we want to hook our wagon up to that, right? I, I just got to say real quick, TJ, you got an intern. TJ, where's your intern? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have uh, to go on the teamwork and uh, post something. Would it would it be uh, would it be bad form on my part if I say that I actually have two interns that I rotate in and out? Wow, sucks to suck Ooh. under TJ. Can can yeah. you rotate them or in and Alex, out of being an intern for PJ Panther Parade? <laughs> it's one of the benefits, I guess, of being here in Charlotte with all the schools around you. It's yeah, not that's true to just kind of reach out and say, hey, we're an American Hockey League team and we need some interns. Who's interested in broadcasting in your journalism department or in your you know, media and communications department? We get a lot of uh, we get a lot of call for that. So uh, it was uh, pretty easy this year. And, and it's nice to have because we just need some hands on game days and things like that. And that's yeah. how I started. I was an intern with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, for the first for my first uh, experience into hockey and and that's what set me off on that path so I try to make sure that we can do the same for somebody else out there good stuff TJ well thank you very much for giving us some of your time tonight you've been very uh, very generous with your time and uh, yeah go checkers man (laughs) absolutely go Panthers go checkers and uh, hey if you guys uh, if you ever need any content you know where to find me be happy to join you this is a blast thanks guys awesome thanks so much TJ Thanks again to TJ for joining us. We're just going to have to find one more TJ and then I can organize a hostile takeover of the podcast and it'll be TJ Perry. And you guys Great. will be. So first, first we have the all goalie panel plus me. And next we're going to have an all TJ panel. <laughs> when does it end? When do I get something? At TJ Oshie, <laughs> you are invited on our next episode. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. We had like an all Jewish panel and yeah, I was I, I was actually just about to say the three the three goalies and Jacob podcast is also three Jews and Alex. So I'll take it. Yeah. You got your podcast, Jacob. <laughs> but Happy it was the Hanukkah, same one that you Jacob. got. Thank you. Hanukkah Even though it was like two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. But uh, thank you for the well wishes. Anyway, uh, we did want to spend a little bit more time in the podcast to talk about the recent news from the NHL and the PA that they're not going to be going to the Olympics now. And it is sad, obviously, for the Panthers players that would be playing there. Guys like Huberto and Barkov, it would have been really their prime Olympics. And now it doesn't look like it's going to happen, though it may still be postponed. Don't want to really get into that. It's more so... What I want to talk about is the ramifications it has for the Panthers season. And it is a little bit upsetting knowing what we know now that the Kings game was played because it could have so easily been rescheduled for this Olympic break that they put into the schedule. But I, you know, the Panthers are going to be playing some makeup games in that, in that period. We think, why don't you guys weigh in on what this means for the Panthers? I'm just sad that I don't get to uh, spend money that I don't need to spend on that beautiful Team Finland Olympic jersey uh, customized with Barkov's name. I was really looking forward to that, but now it's not going to be a real thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real <laughs> shame that Barkov, who was likely in line to be the captain of Team Finland, True. His, his, his prime, like his prime, you know, his prime years of 
22 and 26, he didn't get to go to the Olympics because there was no NHL participation. You know, Huberto, he was in line. Ekblad was in line. It sucks for all of these guys that they're not going to get to go. Maybe the Olympics in general gets postponed if this Omicron variant keeps getting worse and we can try again next year. But it is what it is. I agree with you, TJ. It sucks that the Kings game wasn't postponed. But, I mean, I I get it. The NHL was doing everything they could to squeeze as many games in because – they knew how important it was to go to the, you know, for the players to go to the Olympics, but it just just got to the point where it was untenable. And even the players knew like this just wasn't working anymore with the five week quarantine in, in China, if you test positive in China and basically the entire NHL is positive right now, the entire sports world is positive right now. So it, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, in terms of getting games rescheduled, it'll happen. It'll get done. Um, but the Panthers, I mean, if you want to call this the halfway point of the season, even though they've only played 29 games, like they're in really good fucking shape. They've got points in 69%. They've got 69% of their possible points. <laughs> nice. Yeah, which, that's, that's, that's where we want to be, baby. Which is somehow only good for sixth in the conference. That's just how weird this season has been Also so sixth far. in the league, which is yeah, crazy. And still third in the division. Ouch. Yeah. Which is so nutty. It's just unbelievably nutty that you're on what in a normal year would be President's Trophy pace, and you're sixth in the conference, third in your division. Yeah, but Tampa's renaissance, even without Kucherov, even without I can't remember who else they're missing. Point. Uh, Point. Point, Sorelli's been hurt. Yeah, it's really remarkable. By the way, while we're talking about the Lightning, I did want to point out that uh, another guy that was a third round pick, a center from Ontario, Anthony Sorelli. So. You know that that's a that's a guy that we could see Cole Schwint blossoming into. Oh Ooh. my goodness! Can you imagine if that becomes like an actual comparable? And then the and, Tampa Bay Lightning, and then we can him. play. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out we didn't need to offer sheet Sorelli because we had our very own this whole time. Uh, I mean, and I was, we got Carter Hagee instead. So. I mean, I was impressed by uh, Cole Schwint in that opening game performance. I mean, it was a tough situation all around. Mm-hmm. 16 forwards, but like, I thought Cole was fine. T- Jacob's looking at me like, no, no, he wasn't. It pains me so much. And uh, impossible just... situation. Yeah, but he, uh, he he did not have a great uh, a great NHL debut. Well, you shut the <laughs> fuck up, Jacob, and I'll make excuses for Cole. Cole, if you're listening to this, because we know you're a friend of the program. We first of all, we love you. And it this was is your just third game. based on one statistic or two statistics from one source. You it was your third game in four nights, and you also were missing two other forwards that should have uh, another forward that should have been on your wing. So you were just up and down the lineup. So it's not your fault. Plus, your team's director of broadcasting also just compared you to Patrick Eliash. Yeah. Uh, and, said, and he he promised us that you will regularly be third on the team in points. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I'm going to hold him to that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I can see it happening now. Like, this is this is a crazy, like, development path for him. It's just, like, straight up. Who knows where it could end up going with the acceleration level where it is right now. Well, Schwint coin to the moon. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Schwint coin. Schwint coin. We're missing <laughs> it. On the blockchain, no. Uh, get our uh, Cole Schwint NFT, one of one. No, no, never. The, the, the symbol never for Schwintcoin has to be a question mark, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who coin? Who coin? Who coin? Who coin? Who coin? With just a picture of Cole Schwint's face. Love it. Oh, oh shit! Our brand um, is strong. <laughs> but How let's, do we let's... feel about the upcoming games? Given that the Panthers how a bunch of guys in protocol right up until Saturday. We don't know how many guys are still in protocol and are out. A lot of teams in the NHL are making this stuff public, but the Panthers has been radio silence ever since Saturday and the game was called off against the wild. I'm going to guess that uh, now that the Olympics are out of the question and you have a two week period where you can essentially fit, you know, five to seven games in they're they're the nhl is gonna be a little bit more liberal with canceling games so it's so, entirely and you possible. do also have to consider other events that those arenas may have booked during that period where they expected their professional sports teams to be away yeah i'm 
I'm going to guess there was some built-in in there just in case because everyone knew this was a possibility. Like the NHL had it, you know, they had to, they put two schedules together. One, if the Olympics happened, one, if they didn't. So the fact that the cancellations happens means it couldn't go to that secondary schedule, but I'm going to assume that they also planned with their arenas saying like, Hey, you need to keep a couple nights open in this two week span in case we don't go to the Olympics. You know, and actually within the first three weeks of February, FLA live arena only has three events that mm-hmm. are. I was just meet. looking at that. So we got a Rick Ross concert an Andrea Bocelli concert on Valentine's day, as they typically Every do year. and a monster truck event. I think that's a monster truck event. At least I've never heard of Monster X. If any of you that's are a fan of it, I apologize that I have not heard of it before. Um, yeah, Pacelli does uh, Valentine's Day at Florida Live Arena every year. Yeah, it's as regular as the Billy Joel New Year's Eve show. Monster X appears to be a K-pop band. Ah, okay, so not Monster Trucks. <laughs> wow. Although, look, I'm not ruling out that they're going to perform in Monster Trucks. I'm not ruling I mean, it out. It, doesn't K-pop usually have like super like pop? like poppy names like what's the name of that the, the, the super BTS? famous band bts like they're like super poppy names like that monster x like like i'm sorry i'm gonna show my whiteness and age here but like i figured that would have been a mumble rapper if it wasn't a <laughs> that was what monster i thought too, soundcloud rapper monster x alex that is exactly what i would have assumed it was and then tj was like monster trucks and i was like that makes sense but i didn't say anything but no it's a k-pop band so our outro needs to be, you know, us you know, obviously using uh, um, copyrighted music playing Monster X. I'll, I'll play like nine seconds, which I think I I'm, I'm eligible to. Love this. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I uh, mean. F- uh, 2022 superlatives now that the season's wrapping up or the, the year is wrapping up and it's unlikely the Panthers. Well, I mean, they may play one game, but we'll call this the end of the. 2021 part of the 2021-2022 season. Um, superlatives. Mm. Uh, oh, I wish we had kind of prepped this. Best hair, Mackenzie Weger. <laughs> yeah, long hair, Weger is a is a it's a whole mood. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan. Um, biggest uh, the 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 award for biggest regression in shooting percentage goes to Anthony Duclair. Yeah. <laughs> when you're shooting at empty nets, it's it's easy to get that percentage up. He, he has three empty net goals. My fantasy team appreciates it. Oh, yeah, still I count. mean they count. They, they st- count. And they're they're they still important. count. The you know, save. Look at that. Look at that Sam Bennett empty net goal against Minnesota that ended up being the game winner. These are important. Uh I'll also give uh, a superlative for best piece in the trade in which he was involved to Etu Lusarnan. I also want to give a similar uh, a similar accolade to Lucas Carlson. Ooh, good point. I was more taking a shot at Trocek's expense, but good point. <laughs> That's <laughs> taking a shot at Borgstrom's expense. Streaky. Well, no, Lucas Carlson, Carlson was... No, Carlson was part of the what's-it-called trade. Um, the Borgstrom trade. Yeah, the no, Borgstrom, thought, yeah, Borgstrom and Connolly. Oh, I thought Carlson was part of the other trade we made with Chicago where we sent uh, – what's his name to them? I, whose name I'm just escaped. Brett Connolly? Henestrosa? Henestrosa, yeah. No, no, no. That was just future considerations. Henestrosa was – I thought that was for a seventh-round pick. Like, yeah, that was basically – Yeah, just, okay. I, I that was thought basically it was just Vinny go home. Yeah. Right, no, right, the, right. The, the big trade there, it was, it was Connolly, Stillman, and Borgstrom for Lucas Carlson, Lucas Walmark. And in, there's probably another piece. Did we get in case, else? In case anybody is curious, in 13 games, Lucas Carlson has six points this season. In 17 games, Henrik Borgstrom has three points. Yeah. And keep in mind, one of those players is a defenseman and the other one is a forward. Speaking of defensemen, I want to see if Borgstrom plus Stillman is even at the level of uh, Carlson. I think Stillman's been hurt. Let's see. He's no, played 19 I say, games time, and he has four points. Starts, so, he actually, Stillman is actually looking pretty good this year. Stillman plus Borgstrom is just barely above Carlson. Also, Carlson is currently at a 69.69 expected goals on ice, which is just amazing. <laughs> nice. Oh, I can, never mind. Stillman, Stillman is not. I, I can't believe they gave him a three-year deal. I mean, that was just a, a crazy year for the, the Blackhawks front office and 
that's not even talking about the off ice stuff, which we will immediately move away from. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Unless you want to give a superlative uh, to the NHL uh, for the NHL in general uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks for just the worst year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, you, you, if you, if we just stick to hockey related moves, you can just say, I can't believe Stan Bowman did. And then there's like 10 different things. Yeah. Like, I can't believe they took the, I took, they took Connolly off our hands for Borgstrom. I can't believe they gave Seth Jones all that money. I can't believe they paid all that, of that extension. Doesn't them. even, it, it, they're still uh, three quarters. <laughs> I love this. There's still three quarters of a season. There, there are still 60 NHL games before that contract even starts. They committed nine years to him. He's racked up a ton of points, and it still looks like a terrible deal because that's all it is is empty points. He's he's in Yandel. Yeah, it's Yandel. It really is. Which, like, Yandel's fine. You know, not not 36-year-old Yandel or however old he is now because you, you shouldn't be in the league, but, like, 28 year old Yandel is fine if you're paying him three million. You know, eight, nine and a half million is the contract that's going to keep your team from being competitive. It's, it's oh, just, God. But, have I mentioned lately how much I love Dougie Hamilton? Speaking of Seth Jones. Yeah, all the people who uh, said Dougie Hamilton was uh, not a good, uh, not a good signing, they look pretty dumb. Not that you know, the devils have had the best season in terms of team success. You can't really pin that on Dougie Hamilton. He's been fantastic. I I think their coaching staff is long overdue for the boot, but uh, anyway, they also like that team still just has a ton of holes on it. Like, yeah, that's true. You couldn't fix that team in one off season. Yeah. Yeah. But signing Dougie Hamilton helps. Yeah. And he was really having a strong start before the, the whole team cooled off, which they, they seem to do in the, these seasons. But anyway, I don't want to talk about the devils for too long. Uh, Alex, can we have a, a quick conversation about the goaltending? Because I feel like at this point in the season, we're, we're beginning to see the ebbs and flows of the team success really being dictated by the goaltending performance. Do you think it's because, because there will always be the two camps. One camp will look at the, you know, goals saved above expected if it's really low and say, oh, the goalies are playing bad. And then there's another side will say, no, the defense blew its cover and the goalie couldn't do anything. Where, where do you fall in that debate when it comes to Knight's recent struggles, Bob's recent struggles, just the, the goaltending overall over the past like two months? I mean, I, I kind of need to preface it by going all the way back to the beginning of the season when, you know, the team started off red hot. At the beginning of the season, the Panthers were getting everything in their favor. The forwards were playing at an absurd play pace. You know, power play has been a mess from day one, but at a five-on-five, the Panthers were playing at an absurd pace, and they were getting elite goaltending from both Bob and Spencer Knight. Like, you were literally, if, you know, you extrapolate the first 10 games of the season, you could have, you know, you could have penciled uh, Bob for the Vesna and Spencer for the Calder. The Calder. That's what the kind of performances you were getting. Naturally, they've regressed a bit. You know, the whole team has regressed a bit. You want to, you know, you want to talk about the fact that, you know, you had a coaching change that no one really expected. You want to talk, but the reality is regression just happens. Like Bob has not been Vesna Bob for a long time. So to expect Vesna Bob to exist the entire season was foolish. You were going to get a little bit of Forgolski Bob back. And that's kind of started to happen. The team has also started to regress at five on five. Spencer Knight, yeah, he was great in a really small sample last year, but he is 20 years old. Like this was not a guy who was supposed to be in the NHL this year. And the pan, like, I'm not going to say the Panthers miscalculated by expecting it, but like, you know, they kind of didn't have a choice. Like everything mm-hmm. he had done up until the season started said, Knight needs to be in the NHL. Yeah, and like, great. we can cut this if you feel like we can't include it, but like, we had decent intel that the Panthers were so nervous about signing Knight that in the Lundell draft, they they highly considered drafting Askarov. Yeah, we, we, we definitely were told that. I think that's also due to, you know, just some 
they, they were worried about signability issues, or I think that's what you just said. Like, yeah, there, we, we, we know the Panthers had discussed Askarov. They were worried about signability issues. They weren't worried about talent issues. They were worried about signability issues. Um, you know, I'm sure that there were conversations when Knight signed last year that he would get one game to burn a year off his ELC. But the expectation was he was going to be in the AHL. Like, he was not signed to be on the opening night roster 21-22. His play dictated that he was going to be on the opening night roster because you lost Drieger to the expansion draft. You were losing Drieger no matter what. And reality is he outplayed Monty. He earned the job. Now the season started, you know, he started off strong, but then his performance started to slip. Like, I think he's bottom five and uh, goal saved above expected right now. Like he's like minus seven, which is not good for the amount of games he's played. Part of that is, you know, there were some crooked numbers like that Ottawa game, you know, he was left in for all eight goals. And yeah. I mean, he was certainly at fault for some of them, but not all eight. Yeah. I mean, there was one where it was his turnover playing the puck that resulted in the goal, but like that game was just a catastrophe of epic proportions, especially in when it went from two, two to eight, two, where it was just like turnover goal, turnover goal, turnover goal. Turnover yeah. Goal. And I mean, they were playing again in two days. So Bob was being rested for that. You know, it, it was obvious by the time the game came around that they would need him to really steal that game. So, you know, if he had played the final 30 minutes of the Ottawa game, you would really be nervous about him being fully energized to stand on his head against the Kings, which of course didn't happen anyway, but. Well, it's not even that uh, George has said, like George has hinted at it. Like they don't know Bob is healthy. Or not, they don't know Bob is healthy, but Bob is like they were hinting like there's something up with Bob because like there was no reason for Bob not to be in. I mean, maybe it was because I, I don't know. I remember now. George said it on a radio hit, I think, with uh, Zazlo was like that the reason Bob didn't go in is like that there, you know, there's some questions about his health, but they didn't have anyone they could put in in front of him because I guess Jonas Johnson or whatever wasn't able to yet or something, but they were trying not to play Bob. And then you saw Bob in that Kings game. He was not. He was not himself. Like, look, I know we can joke for Golski, but like that was easily Bob's worst game of the season. And then the next day he's in COVID protocol. So like, it was just a bad situation all around that the senators game was the beginning of, you know, right before, you know, the whole team ended up in COVID protocol. You had Lombard in protocol, but like you could just, we were all, we were at that game. There was something not right with the Panthers and it started with the first player on the roster, you know, skater one all the way to, you know, Spencer who didn't have a good game. And then Bob sitting on the bench because something wasn't right with him. So it's, it's always really shitty for a player, even the one as confident as, you know, as Spencer to have like argue, you know, no one does not argue. It's the worst game of your NHL career and probably the worst game he's had in five plus years. I mean, if you go to, you probably have to go back to like when he was playing like peewees the last time he gave up eight in a game. And, you know, that's it. You know, that's your last game before getting sent to the AHL. It, it sucks for him, but it is what it is. Going back to the Washington away game where there was that incident with Tom Wilson. And I've heard people bring this up to me, this topic of Bob's health. The only game that he's played in since and he's played in six that he had above 90% of the shots that he faced on goal saved was against Arizona, which is not even a real NHL team. So five times since then in, in six attempts, he's failed to stop 90% of the shots these faced, which is about the goalie Mendoza line. You know, it's not necessarily like if you're not at 900, it's the worst performance anyone has ever seen. And you're going to be like on the NHL version of Shaq and a fool for weeks. But like, that's the goalie Mendoza line. So if you're not at 900, you didn't have a quality start, let's say. And so that's yeah. five out of six non-quality starts. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe that Wilson hit, like, you know, he got, he got pulled by the concussion spotters. I mean, we didn't hear anything because Panthers don't say anything unless they absolutely have to. And then when they do, they just give you UBI, L, uh, LBI. So maybe it's that, I mean, he's definitely, you know, ended up in the COVID protocol. So we had COVID. You don't know if he was showing symptoms or not. I mean, I know he's vaccinated because the whole team is vaccinated, but we just, 
We don't know. I mean, the reality is, yes, Bob's play has fallen off from the Vesna Bob we got at the beginning of the year, but it was always going to fall off. I think it's it's definitely not an ideal situation for the Panthers in the sense that like Bob fell off, you had the COVID, you know, you had the COVID issues flare up, and you also don't have Barkov. Like, I mean, yeah, the Panthers are kind of staying above water without Barkov. I mean, they're at one point they were like seven and two without him, but I'm sure that that's closer to 500 now with the recent losing streak before the shutdown. So I don't know. It's I'm trying to not knee jerk and just be like, Oh shit, it's back to, you know, you know, 2019, 2020 Panthers goaltending where it's like, you don't know what you're going to get. And you're just hoping the offense can, you know, score five when, when you're giving up four, but I'm not ready to pull that plug yet. Let's see this team when everyone is healthy again. And that's actually, now that I think about it, it's kind of, you know, if there's a, if there's a silver lining to this COVID shutdown is Barkov's getting time to heal mm-hmm. the wrist injury. He's getting time on that. And the knee, I'm, I know they said it was a hundred percent, but that's just an extra, you know, week or so he's getting to, you know, rest up where games aren't being played. Yeah. Yeah. And if Bob is really hurt, it's the same for him too. I mean, like you, I try not to, maybe not necessarily knee-jerk is the right word, but it's kind of the equal and opposite reaction of, you know, saying that it's obviously not a coaching issue because, you know, the, you have the control group and the experimental group of the previous coach and Brunette has now won as many games as he's lost in the, you know, interim coaching role. But it is, like I said, corresponding to missing Barkov for a lot of games and this goaltending slump by both Knight and Bobrovsky. They claim Johansson, obviously, because they want to give Knight some time in the AHL. Maybe Bob's not healthy. That's one of the reasons. Johansson is not somebody that's going to be reliable. Like, that's not the solution. Like, maybe he's going to be a stopgap, but that's not the solution. So, really, you got to either find an external solution that's going to solve your goaltending problems or you got to cross your fingers that Bobrovsky can get back to health, get back to maybe not Vesna Bob, but like above average Bob. And if that doesn't happen, like if they don't stabilize the goaltending position, we could talk about everything else on the team until the cows come home. It's not going to matter. Like you got to have a hot goalie to win the playoffs, period. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you bare minimum need a goalie that's just going to be, you know, plus 0.1 and goal saved above expected. If you want to have a shot in the NHL in the playoffs, the NHL playoffs, like, yeah, there's just too many outside variables right now to really pinpoint what's going on with the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Markov out COVID. um, It's it's just too much shit. Just it's kind of why you've seen me take a break from participating in Panthers Twitter, both from my personal account and from the main Panthers panthropory twitter account because it's just like it's just not worth fighting with the people who want to melt down right now that the you know they've fallen off their you know nhl record setting pace of 82 and 0 so whatever like we'll see what the team looks like when bob comes when barkov comes back hopefully right after this covid break and and then we'll knee jerk the reality is they banked enough points i mean 69 percent of the possible points 29 games every nice. season you can't do much better than that. So I'm not going to melt down. I'm not going to knee jerk. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, watch games and take it day by day in terms of evaluations. And yeah, if, if, you know, for Golski Bob is here to stay, I mean, obviously the pants need to find some cap space, but yeah, they'll, they'll find a way to address it at the deadline. Like there's going to be goalies who are available for third and fourth round picks that, you know, they're 30 plus year old goalies. You might, you might be able to get a run out of them. Like we'll deal with that as we get there. But the reality is the Panthers are still an absolutely loaded roster mm-hmm. where you've got, you know, Sam Reinhardt and Anton Lundell anchoring your third line when everyone's healthy. So I'm not worried. Yeah. And I mean, we are like five months out from the playoffs. So there is that. Okay. Anything else? We should just wrap it up here. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah to Jake two weeks ago. Thank yeah. you. And also to everyone else. Thank you to everyone who's, uh, you know, stuck with us this year as we've uh, tried to put out more content. This, I, I think I, I, I'm not step, uh, speaking out of turn, but this has been our best year in terms of amount of people listening in and downloading our podcast. We've, you know, 
had a whole bunch of new followers this year on the Panther Brewing main account. Uh, I'm still sitting in obscurity with like 190 followers, but who gives a shit? Like it's, it's a team game here. There's no I in team and po- podcast. So uh, there is no I in podcast. There is no I in podcast. There is an I in Panther Brewery though. I was just about to say that. But yeah, there's no I in podcast. So it has been a lot of fun. So I want to say thank you to you, Jacob and TJ for uh, putting up with me and doing all this stuff. It's been a fun year. It's, uh, we probably will have an episode out before the, before the new year. So uh, we'll just we'll leave talk about Merry that Christmas after around. we hit uh, the stop button on the recording. Yeah. But yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for helping us grow. And we hope to keep bringing you more content. Please rate us five stars on TripAdvisor. Well, no, 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 no. We have to actually say, no, no, no. Now, Spot- <laughs> now Spotify lets you rate. Please rate us five stars on Spotify. Like that really helps us grow. It helps us, you know, with the search engine optimization shit where, you know, the more reviews we have, the more like if you search Panther, you know, Panther's podcast, the higher we come up, like, you know, that all helps us. So anyone who can uh, rate and rate us on Spotify, we really appreciate it. Even if you don't think, if you don't think we deserve five stars, then fuck you and just don't rate us at all. Yes, I'm threatening, Jacob. You all right. All right. We're going to end on that note. Merry Christmas and a happy new year to everybody, although we're probably going to record before the new year. Uh, take care, everybody. Have a happy holiday. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.